Welcome back to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. My name is Brucker, and today on the show, I am joined once again by Ellie of Bad Critic to discuss and react to the new Scott Derrickson, Ethan Hawke movie that is The Black Phone. Hello, Ellie. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hello. Uh, thanks for having me back. I'm glad I didn't scare anyone away when we were talking <laughs> about men the last time. This is a much, much different kind of movie, I would say. It's it is. This is a very different flavor of horror. This is very different. Um, It's not an abstract piece of art. It is very much a movie with a beginning, middle and end, Mm -hmm. uh, unlike men, which is um, abstract. Uh, But yeah, so you want it to be. Yeah. So I'm curious to see what your takes are for like an actual movie. I'm just kidding. You've been on for Slumber Party (laughs) Massacre. That was so much fun to do. Um, How today's going to go. So so that people know. Uh, we're going to have a spoiler-free discussion up top. So if you haven't seen the movie, you just want to listen to our thoughts and opinions, right now it is safe. Once I give you the warning and you hear the thunder, uh, that is when the spoilers will be coming in. But for right now, you are safe. Now, before we get into our review, I want to first have us kind of paint a little word picture about our theater-going experience because I'm so mad at myself, and we were talking about this before we got on here, that I didn't share my like theater going experience when I went to go see men um, because I had an awesome day. I got up early. I went to a diner, had a mimosa, had a big breakfast. Then I scooted my little butt over to the theater, which was across the parking lot from the diner, watched men with like five other people. One person left during the middle of it. And then (laughs) once I got out and after like, I did my 25 minute contemplation on the bench, I like thought about, do I want to go back to that diner? Um, But uh, my theater going experience was much different for this. This was actually pretty typical. I went to a 4.30 p.m. showing, which, you know, is still the early bird special. And I actually, it was a bigger crowd. People are going to see this movie. People are excited about this. They're excited about, I think, Scott Derrickson doing another horror movie. I think they're excited about Ethan Hawke being on the big screen for something like this. I'm really happy that this got like a uh, wide release. This is an adaptation from Joe Hill, the son of Stephen King. So I think that people were really excited about this. And my theater was a fun one to be in. Uh, what, what was your your theater going experience like, Ellie? Yeah, I, I think you're right that people were excited to see Scott do another horror movie, especially with Ethan Hawke again. Um, like he did such a good job with Sinister and it was so uh, such like a intimate uh intense movie that i had personally looked him up like what happened to the guy who made sinister what's he been doing and saw that this movie was coming out um a few months ago so i was really excited to see it for that reason um but yeah my movie going experience i had been traveling the day before um which don't travel right now because every flight is delayed or canceled it's kind of a nightmare um, I'm literally booking an airplane flight in like three days. I'm not looking. <laughs> I don't need to hear that. <laughs> uh, do you have lots of connections? Because the connections are the ones that will fuck you the most. Up one. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll pray to baby Jeebus for you. Then. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I had come off a couple, particularly couple stressful days and I was trying to be very COVID safe and, uh, and avoid as many people as possible just to make sure I don't actually didn't bring anything back from my trip. Um, so I was a good, you know, 12 p.m. Sunday afternoon showing in a mostly empty theater with like one other couple. Um, 
So, you know, uh, watching a horror movie in a big empty theater is not, uh, it's pretty damn creepy. Let me tell you, it's, uh, (laughs) it's, it's pretty creepy. (laughs) And then I walked out into the, I left in the, into the bright sunny afternoon where it's like extremely hot right now in Montreal. So, uh, yeah, just sweated the whole way home, worried about what I just witnessed. That, that I don't know if I would enjoy just seeing this alone and then just being forced to go back out into the world. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, my theater wasn't packed, but it was it was a decent crowd and it was enough to where it was very fun for, you know, we all got the laughs together. We all got like the gasps together for like some of the jump scares that are in this. Um, and it was kind of funny to kind of hear some of, like the oh shits that like randomly happen yeah. or like that's fucked up, man. Um yeah. It, 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 I, I appreciate it's like the little peppering. I'm happy that uh, that it was a fun experience. I didn't have any teenagers ruining it for me this time. Like when I went to go see Knives Out, that was a terrible one to kill someone that day. Oh, no. However, um, well, I'm glad that we got to tell that. Um, I, so let's, let's go ahead and kind of get into our spoiler. Yeah, I'm sorry. Let's do it. Let's no, do no, it. no, 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 no. Spoiler free. Sorry. No, I'm going to spoil it. I'm going to spoil it right no, now. No, <laughs> you no. You can't edit Ellie. it out. It's live. Ellie, I'm going to mute you. <laughs> Let's go ahead and officially get into our general opinions uh, in brief spoiler free discussion about the black phone. Um, Oh, yeah. First off, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down. What what do you think about this? Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, uh, horror fans are going to really like it. Um, I think it's a good uh, it's real creepy. Ethan Hawke does a fantastic villain, which is not. you don't often get to see him play a, vi- a villain. It's something that he he says that he avoids for the most part, and uh, mm-hmm. and he really nails it. It's a very he does a vi- very physical performance, a lot of voice work, and the kid who now I, you just told me his name and I can't remember what the name Mason Thamus. Yeah, Mason did a really good job. He carries most of the movie on his own, and uh, and it, that's a lot for for a young actor. And so, um, yeah, hats off to them. They they did a great job. Absolutely. Like the acting is so good in this. Uh Mason Tamus, who plays Finney, the, yes. the the male child actor in this. And then uh Madeline McGraw right. plays his I presume younger sister. I couldn't tell if they were portrayed as twins or if they if she was just a little bit younger than him. I kinda I had a hard s- time. I assumed a younger sister. Okay. I had a hard time deciphering for like the first half of the movie, not gonna lie. But what anyways, um she she was fantastic in this. She was yeah. so good. Um, and Mason Thamus was really good. Honestly, all of the child actors in this were even the tertiary ones were, yeah. were good. Yeah. Um, it, uh, and I'm going to be reading a little excerpt from Horror Press. Our our, our smart boy Lewis wrote another great piece on, yeah, Lewis. <laughs> on the black phone. So people go check out that spoiler free review that Lewis wrote. He is um, quite the craftsman with uh, with his typewriter. You talked about Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke in this, he is good. Like uh, he's good, um, but I kind of liked the original idea mm. for for the grabber in this movie. Um, I will say the this doesn't really spoil anything, but you know, Ethan Hawke is in this movie. He is the grabber. He is the kidnapper, and we we get to spend some time with him. However, I kind of liked the the premise in the original script for this, which was that we didn't actually ever in the original script, we never saw his face. 
Yeah. Uh, we kind of just saw like from behind or like quick glimpses or whatever. But with this, of course, since it's Ethan Hawke, you can't really do that. And uh, it's, um, I believe it was Scott Dickerson. I'm sorry, not Scott Derrickson. Uh, C. Robert Cargill, who was the writer of the screenplay yeah. for this, uh, who joined him again. He also wrote Sinister with with uh, Scott Derrickson. Um, so Robert Cargill did this interview and they talked about that. And they said, that, you know, that was the original plan was to kind of not show the face, not really show the grabber and kind of just like, really really be super mysterious about who this person was and who he is and uh they said once ethan hawk got interested in this and was okay with being the villain for once they said mm-hmm. okay well we can't not show his face because it's ethan hawk and i feel like that that's a major drive for white people went to, and saw this movie too i almost think it would have been better if they were somehow able to stick to that original plan and then at some point in the movie, they like surprised reveal that it was mm. Ethan Hawke. I, I, if they were somehow able, able to keep that under wraps, I think that would have been so much more impactful and scarier if we didn't, if they kept with that original plan. Um, I think that's like my one gripe about this movie. W- one think, of my gripes. Yeah, I think uh, there's no way in this day and age you could have, they would have like been able to like sell a movie if they had to like hide that Ethan Hawke was in it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I feel like the capitalism part of the movie industry was gonna nix that idea but i mean mm-hmm. it would have it would have worked great and he would have pulled it off too he, he i think like he still delivered like an excellent physical performance without the oh, yeah. use of his facial features and and like i said the voice work that he did was like was really really fucking creepy man like yeah. real creepy dude yeah yes he is creepy in this um i don't think i actually said but i, I did enjoy this movie i liked it a lot yeah. it was different from what i was expecting and mm. Watching the trailers, and I know you've been on this, I think, wise uh, mantra of avoid trailers. Yeah, avoid Just go them. in blind. I normally like that idea, but for this, I did a kind of trailer reaction and speculation That's last true, week. Yeah. And so I kind of ended up studying the trailers a little too much. I was having a hard time deciphering what the tone of this movie was going to be. I couldn't tell if this was going to be kind of just like a fun summer kind of like edgier stranger things kind of like something like in Mm. the vein of like disturbious you know something like that or if this was going to be so dark and greatly depraved like sinister i had such a hard time with that and and my 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 verdict is that it's not it's not as depraved as i thought it was going to be actually this was and this was pretty watchable there are moments that are tough to watch um but because there's a lot of really good emotional acting in this um and i don't want to say too much of why but uh uh th- yeah this was this was not as dark and depraved as i thought it was going to be it definitely goes hard in ways that i was not expecting um okay. but it it's still like yeah like you said it's not that kind of like deep dread of a horror movie where you're like oh my whole life is what it, what am <laughs> i even i think like i left the theater and i was like okay that was like a mix of like um, the sort of aesthetic of Sinister with a mix of Stephen King's It, like if you've read ever read mm. It as a kid, like kind of that vibe with, um, uh, I, I thought a, a lot of comparisons to Denis Villeneuve's movie Prisoners of like, I feel like it's kind of like a mm-hmm. mashup of those two movies. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you're talking about like the Stephen King stuff. You know, this is an adaptation from Joe Hill, who wrote yeah. this short story, I believe, in 2004. 
It yeah, no- yeah. It was one of his first stories, yeah. And it has a lot of those Stephen King trappings. You know, we have uh, swearing kids, kids being mean to each other, alcoholic mm-hmm. parents, a pocket knife shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it kind of, it, it, it has... Some undefined supernatural elements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, which I definitely want to get into in the spoiler yeah part of this because I, I i am puzzled at some things but i'm it's it's like one of those things where i'm okay with not knowing everything but yeah. i wish i had a little bit more of a compass uh in this yeah. i think that's a really fair criticism yeah yeah and we, 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 you know it's fine you know i i, I it, it didn't make me hate the movie i thought this was still good and like i said it's really worth seeing for the two child actors they were Mm-hmm. so freaking good in this and they were also like super entertaining uh madeline mcgraw I just say it again thought she was just so fucking good in this and she was also really funny too she she plays a very mm-hmm. spunky kid uh you know like little sister character in this and she carries a lot of emotional weight in this movie as well she does i also liked all of her um little like jesus paraphernalia that she kept <laughs> throughout the movie she keeps like pray- praying uh uh, to ask for help and she has like all of these like trinkets and i thought that was like as like a very lapsed catholic myself i was like ah oh, I, I identify with this this is <laughs> this is, reminds me of people i know <laughs> yeah yeah um so yeah so I, I i i don't know if there's like too much i can say without going into the spoilers besides it has my recommendation i really liked it it didn't blow me away but i had a really fun time with it and i can see myself picking this back up maybe in a year yeah i think it's a really good perfect summer horror movie um to watch like you were talking about like watch it in a crowd full of people and uh and like it's a it's a good movie to be scared by you know Mm -hmm. Uh, it is in i kind of forgot to talk about like the 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 crowd thing because there's a there's many parts in this movie that are so tense that, you know, mm-hmm. you're just like on pins and needles. And there's like parts in this movie, in the theater, you could hear like a pin drop because, you know, everybody's mm-hmm. just like holding, you could feel the theater holding their breaths yeah. th- during certain moments in this. So that that was very fun. And it was crafted very well because it always sucks when you could tell the movie's trying to put in a spice of tension or make you feel on edge. And it's just like, this is corny. This isn't really working. And this is, this is not that at all. This, they did such a good job with it here. They they did, and I think like it's a testament to also how good I was at avoiding the trailer because I just kept getting like fifteen second spam ads through social media, but like in French, so I wasn't I live in Quebec, <laughs> so like it's normal for me to hear French media, but like I just like kind of was able to very easily tune it out. Um, but in the <laughs> opening scene of the movie, there's um this really sweet moment between the uh, protagonist and this other kid where they're both on opposite sides of a baseball team and, uh, and competing. And well, is this considered a spoiler if it happens in the first five minutes of the movie? No, no. I I think it's okay to talk about (laughs) Finney and one of his friends in this kind of. Yeah. He basically, he, he almost, uh, he almost gets, uh, he almost strikes out the batter but the guy ends up hitting a home run. And so he's all disappointed. And, uh, but the batter comes up to him and it was like, wow, you almost had me there. That was a really good game. And I was like, oh, is this going to be a movie where kids are nice to each other? That's so sweet. And I had like such a good vibe. And it lasted like two minutes. <laughs> it literally lasted two minutes. And the rest of the movie happened. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. No, not at all. That's not what this movie is. 
that was a nice moment because I thought I was going to like swing the other way. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. It was so sweet. And like that kid has been, you follow that kid afterwards and he's like smiling at people and like, like some girls are crushing on him. And like, I was he, like, he wasn't wow. thinking it. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a nice kid. No. Yeah. 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 Good trial acting all over this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I did uh, want to talk about before we get into the spoiler stuff. Um, mm-hmm. There's a little bit the Scott Derrickson and yes, yes, especially yes. like him and like Robert Cargill coming back into this. I find it so interesting the types of projects that Scott Dick, uh, Derrickson. Gosh, I keep doing that. I'm so sorry. It's Scott <laughs> Derrickson. Um, Derrickson, the types of projects that he's interested in, um, especially when it comes to horror, because kind of like the through line between. The exorcism of Emily Rose, sinister mm-hmm. into this, is that th- there's an element of supernatural stuff in them, but it's also kind of rooted in reality to an extent. Like, like the fears are real. Like the like the the the, the horrible actions are coming from people. You know, it's not like ghosts or goblins or monsters doing things. While there are monsters and like sinister. Mm-hmm. It's not Bagul actually killing people. He's convincing yeah. kids to do it for him. And um, and then there's also kind of like this through line of kind of like this true crime-ness of it. Like mm. Exorcism of Emily Rose is based, is like true. it's a courtroom drama. Uh, Sinister, it's Ethan Hawke plays a true crime novelist and he's trying yeah. to solve these family murders. And in this, it's police and uh finney's family are yeah. trying to solve his kidnapping i mean it yeah. it's it, there's a lot of like mystery and like crime solving in his horror movies that he likes to intertwine in that way i find that very interesting and like a fun space kind of a little bit of a depraved space but it's a fun space to be in especially with horror well and i also appreciate the commonality between those movies where the horror is rooted in the acting and the performances mm-hmm. and not in like a bunch of cgi stuff fl- flying around uh you know the characters you know what i mean where it's like the horror comes from the people reacting to the scary thing and not just like a big scary even face you know that's a really um, good point yeah. too yeah because like in sinister i mean a lot of that movies there's ethan hawk yeah walking it's him re- that yeah and it's him yeah. reacting to what he's finding like it's it's the, the the toll that it takes on him and and his his uh his physicality yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and like and we get that here too it's a lot of mm-hmm. uh people reacting and it's a lot of something that i love in movies that this has is there's a lot of problem solving yeah and there's a there's a lot of problem solving and it really does like put you in the character's shoes of like you know you're in this you're you're you know you're kidnapped you're stuck in this space what do you see around that the character could use to to get out yeah. or whatever it, it it's a i like i love movies like that it's like you know how how would you solve this problem it's it's fun um before we get to the spoiler stuff i want to first read um a little excerpt from horrorpress horrorpress.com what an awesome website. I love being partners with them. And Lewis, who is such a talented writer, uh, he wrote a he wrote a very good spoiler-free review of the Black Phone. And I wanted to read a little excerpt that he had on there, kind of still highlighting the acting performances that we got from the kids. And if you want to read this, get over to horrorpress.com or just swipe over to the show notes where there will be a link. And Lewis writes, If there's one aspect to this film I will praise nonstop along this clever premise, it's that this has the best child actors I've seen in a horror movie in a long time. 
Most horror movie veterans know by now that there is nothing that sucks the tension out of a scene like bad child actors who can't play fear, anger, or even the myriad emotions that should be coursing through their tiny veins at any given moment. This movie never has that issue. Mason Thames plays the fear, exhaustion, and stress of his character, Finney Blake, with expertise beyond his years. Every moment Thames plays opposite of Ethan Hawke's The Grabber is a gem where I am feeling disgust for the latter and terror for the former, almost entirely thanks to how compelling Thames is. Uh, I completely agree with him. And just like how we were talking about, this movie does very good with tension and the child actors add to that tension uh, in this case. So be sure to go check out uh, that piece written by Lewis over at Horror Press, horrorpress.com. And now, Ellie, are you ready to get to the spoiler section? Can I spoil it for real now? Yeah. All right. All right, guys. All right. We'll see you after the thunder. Okay. I guess it's not exactly a spoiler, but this movie goes so hard with the child abuse with the dead kids i was not anticipating them being like we will kill these children like these children are very vulnerable and it really took me off my it really knocked me down for a loop it really got my guard down and uh, or really got my I was not I was not prepared for it to go as hard as it did like kids mm-hmm. punching each other adults punching kids like no it was it was a lot right off the bat it was a lot and the thing honestly i was most surprised about was that we saw the effects of the grabber on the prior victims but honestly really the main on-screen physical violence that we see from an adult onto a kid is jeremy davis's character he plays the father in this we see him uh, basically beat his daughter, uh, played by uh, Madeline McGraw, in a very uncomfortable scene. This was tough to yeah. watch. And McGraw just does a phenomenal job selling it. Uh, you could tell she is scared and like, mm-hmm. but also kind of like disappointed. But I just got all those emo- emotions of like, it's my dad. I should be listening to him. But like, this also fucking sucks. Like, this isn't fair. Yeah. Like, you could, yeah. you could, I could, I felt the, the 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 complexity of emotions that she was going through yeah and you also got a great i mean from him you got him someone who clearly did not know what to do was someone who was clearly scared and on some level does care about his kids but just had like absolutely no coping skills and i think that's a Mm -hmm. testament to him as a performer that was able to like perform play someone who was very scary and also you know very human I'm wondering how much the movie is trying to link Jeremy Davis's character as like the dad to Mr. Blake to um to Ethan Hawke's character, the grabber, mm. with just how I presume that they are both uh, products of abuse. I mean, this movie takes yeah. place in 1978, and yeah. I mean, you know, just child raising was and discipline was very different uh, in, yeah. in the 70s, and it, especially when. Uh, Mr. Blake was growing up and presumably like the, I don't know, 50s. I wonder if it's trying to link those two characters because uh, it's really interesting that we, we get the grabber in this. We don't really understand his motivations or what exactly is the ritual in like the whole like naughty boy game. These are all things that are dropped, name dropped, but it's not 
ever fully explained. It's not a fully fleshed idea that we get. We kind of just get little hints at it. But what I found so interesting in compounding that is that the grabber's brother is in this yes. movie and he doesn't know that he's the grabber and <laughs> his brother is addicted to drugs and the grabber is, you know, ki- kidnapping and killing uh, kids. And in an interview with Cargill, the, the writer of this, he was talking about how he thought this movie was trying to, or he was wanting this movie to be about uh, generational abuse kind of, and how right. like, that is passed down and how these two boys were presumably abused by their dad. And one of them coped by going to drugs, drugs. and another one went to violence. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I just find that so interesting. I really don't have too much of like a little like thought summary of like, you know, what all that means and the characters with each other. But I just found that so interesting that uh, it's kind of getting into abuse. And now we're seeing how all the kids are abusive to each other in this movie. Yeah, I think it's a, a very logical through line. Like the kids, you know, that's what they deal with. That's how they've been. They've been taught to like is to fight is to fight when you have a feeling is to just fight it out. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're if you're a boy so yeah 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 and that's, that's something that was interesting about finney in this is that he he had a lot of restraint he didn't want to be a fighter in this and he had he thankfully had friends that stuck up for him uh was it uh, robin his friend robin was, was kind of like this uh a like karate kid, kid like yeah. <laughs> like figure in this movie um i like that kid a lot yeah, yeah, Robin was really cool in this. He was kind of like the older brother, I think, that uh, that, that Finn kind of wish he had sometimes. Um, and I liked, sorry to cut you off, but I liked that he was little. Like, I liked that he was a little kid, but was just like this vicious fighter. I really liked that they cast someone who was not like this physically imposing person, but was just like tough as all nails, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he like kind of talked about how he was tough because like his dad Tom to be tough and his dad was uh his i think his dad died in the vietnam war i believe yeah, yeah he they said do that. Mention yeah. that yeah 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 interesting it's just kind of this whole thing of just like generational violence and abuse being yeah. passed down i am a part-time magician are those balloons in there would you like to see a magic trick ethan hawk in this and the grabber <laughs> and all of that uh how did just tell me all your thoughts about that in this I loved the design of his different masks. I liked using that as an expression, as a replacement for his facial expressions. And I liked how they changed. I thought that was a very uh, interesting and very creepy detail. Mm-hmm. Um, everything about him really just made my skin crawl. Like, honestly, like I have like a massive crush on Ethan Hawke in general. And this movie was like, <laughs> like i have to rethink some things right now it's not i don't know i don't know bro (laughs) that was a lot um i think like the the something that he did really well which is um all the times that he is nice in the movie or quote-unquote nice are the most scary moments because you know you know he's violent Mm -hmm. and you're just waiting for the violence to happen so the times when he actually gets angry there's this very bizarre or maybe logical sense of relief because you're like, I know what this is now. I know that he's showing me that he's the bad guy and he's showing me he's the bad guy. So I, I felt like part of the tension comes from just like they wait so long for him to be violent and to be cruel and to be to be to be specifically cruel and mean. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh and uh that was very very unsettling mm-hmm. to watch yeah no you're right yeah they definitely had a lot of restraint in terms of him being cruel in this movie it's really not yeah. until it's kind of weird he kind of like i was getting the sense that internally he has all these rules for yeah. the for the victims that he kidnaps and it's not until they break these rules and they're not playing the game is when his like super viciousness comes out. Um, and you know, we, I, I feel like the first sense that we really got to see that was when uh, Finney escapes for the first time. And yeah. you know, he, he breaks the pad or he, he cracks the, the padlock code and he gets caught, which is just like, uh, it's, it's like such like a deflating moment in the movie. And it's because mm-hmm. like, you have so much hope right there. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that he's going to get out and he's not even out I think for I don't even think he's out for two minutes and and he gets him back also one of the most intense things in a horror movie for me is like we've seen this before where like you have to like sneak past someone who's like sleepy and unconscious mm-hmm. and like get the thing open to escape I don't know why no matter how many times I've seen that play out it always makes me so tense it's so uncomfortable to watch because you know the movie is fucking with you like mm-hmm. you know he's gonna be there at any moment and he's gonna be there like you know it's not gonna be just fine because like right. we're watching a horror movie right yeah so it's one of those like uh, it's just one of those those horror tropes that like i uh, no matter how many horror movies i see it'll get me every time it'll fuck me up every time yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a great trope that they do but i feel like they didn't they feel like they didn't overplay it because no. normally during these scenes, there's like a ton of like cutting back and forth between the person trying to finagle whatever it is that they're doing and going back to the. Oh no, it makes it worse if they just stay on the guy trying to get out. It does. If they just stay there. It makes way worse. It is in this movie. I think we only cut back to him maybe once, and they also framed it really well because there's certain points where like we're focusing on Finny. But in the background, out of focus, you can still see the grabber. But like, since he's mm-hmm. out of focus, you still can't like see if his eyes open or anything like that. It's yeah. uh, it, it, it was it was it was a very good moment. Um, and you talked about his mask. I do love this 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 two part mask. They're like yeah. the eyes stay, but like the the mandible jaw and yeah. interchanges, and it does really feel like he does have like split personalities. Because isn't there a moment in the movie where? Finney asks him if he's going to kill him. He says, like, I'm not, but someone else. Or, uh, he he kind of like alluded to, like, I know the killing, I don't do that, but someone else does. He does reference, like, it's the other guy. Yeah, you got to worry about the other guy. Yeah. 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 So yeah. that's really interesting um, that that happens. I almost wonder if he takes his mask off for that. Uh, and it's just like, yeah. you know. And I mean, yeah, I, 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 I know I've, I've mentioned this before, but like, as being someone who has an unhealthy obsession with true crime um <laughs> like you know he he rang very true to me as a as a as a as this kind of this kind of uh murderer right like you 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 exist with this part of yourself by by it's not me it's this other persona or it's not my fault they chose they did the bad thing and then i didn't have a choice anymore like they made the choice for me mm-hmm. like you set up these traps so that you it's it's all to distance yourself from what you're actually doing and who you actually are 
It's kind of like that plausible deniability. That wasn't me. That was the other guy. You know, that was, yeah. that was the mask dude. I mean, it's not yeah. my bad. He's bad at playing Naughty Boy. It's not my fault. Yeah. I mean, you hear it all the time when, like, some, like, psychopath is, like, in court and, like, apologizing for their actions. And, like, you know, this has been really hard for me. It's like, bro, you murdered, like, 12 people. It's hard on you? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Shut up. You yeah. know, but it's that whole kind of mentality of, like, you know, very self-centered. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there's definitely no sense of like, there's no redeeming qualities, of course, for for the grabber, which I'm I'm happy that I'm both happy and uh, a little upset that we didn't get more of a backstory for Ethan Hawke, because like, I'm happy that they didn't try to present this as like a sympathetic person. And like, you know, he was abused as a kid and he was bullied and that like shaped and formed him into this monster that he is today. Uh, yeah. But I also kind of like being left a little bit in the dark of like what made this, you know, like why why is he like this? And trying to piece together the rituals that they have in this. So I was going to kind of just sort of present some like the the evidence that we have and seeing if there's yeah. anything that we can speculate on from this. Yeah. So so I also wait before oh, wait before go you go ahead. I I also appreciate that they didn't like. Though this movie does show like a lot of violence, that like we didn't get like any kind of like implied like visual implications of like sexual abuse or like like they didn't go that far. And I was like, I started to get worried that we we're gonna have to see something like that. I was like, oh, I really do. I don't want to. I was very worried about this. that too. And yeah. the movie kind of quickly addresses that after the kidnapping because the kid said something about like if you touch me, you know, yeah. I'll scratch your face or something like that. And he said he says something about like I'm not interested in that or something like there's something along those lines. I mean, no, he says the, something worse. He's like, oh, I would never do anything bad to you, or I would never do anything that would it. feel bad. And I'm like, oh god. So I was it, like, the implied threat is there, which is not comfortable at all. Don't get me wrong, but like, I was worried they were going to show me some shit, and I was like, oh, me too. I don't don't, don't want to see it. I was really worried. Yeah, it was going to go there, and especially. Yeah on the reference points for, for when Joe Hill was writing this. Uh, and I, mm. I totally got that vibe when I, when I was just even watching the trailer about how this felt like John Wayne Gacy a little bit. Very and, much so. Yeah. And in fact, Joe Hill said that, you know, in the, the original text, you know, that he wrote the, it, it's a clown. It's not a magician. It's a clown. And yeah. during, you know, the early processes of uh, Cargill writing the script, it was going to be a clown and mm-hmm. Joe Hill actually asked them if they could change it to not be a clown because he wrote that short story. I think he said like 20 years after his dad wrote it and then the new it movie came out. So he's like mm-hmm. worried that people would just think he's just aping his old man. So he's yeah. like, could you please not make it a clown? Just like make it something else. And then how they landed on magician was that, uh, apparently like in the like, the 30s and 40s that was a trope of magicians like during their act they'll do certain tricks as the magician and then they'll put on a devil's mask and then do certain tricks as the devil and that's like where they got no. that idea uh which it's is terrifying, terrifying. <laughs> um so so getting into the quote ritual so yeah there's black balloons that he uses which are which actually i thought it was like kind of uh, in, in a very fucked up way, clever how he used the black balloons in this. He used it to yeah. literally engulf the kid so nobody could see what it was that he was grabbing. It just looks like he's trying to manhandle yeah. balloons. Um, and I'm, I hated myself as I was watching. I was like, God, fuck that smart. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then uh, they're put in this basement 
with a bed and pretty much nothing else. Uh, yeah, and a phone. And a phone that doesn't work. They're not really fed. They're fed like one meal. There was another meal that he brought, but it felt like it was days later that he brought like the second yeah. meal. And then he punished him by throwing it on the ground. And then he leaves the door unlocked for them to try to escape as a little trap. So I, I'm wondering if like the the starvation is to play into to like smoke them out, you know, to have them want to come out of the room to see if they can go get food or something. Yeah, because he doesn't really care about the kids, right? No. Like, he's not really cared about, you know, making sure they're well-fed or anything. He's just, you know, toying with his food, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah he's definitely just playing with his food in this. So, yeah, I don't know. I was just trying to piece together what... Oh, I, I guess I just don't get what the idea... Or, like, or not idea, but like just what the whole naughty boy is. And we also get a little hint. He says... That the phone doesn't work. Like, it hasn't worked since he was a kid. So I presume mm-hmm. that this was his parents' home. So like, yeah. did his, I guess like, you know, did the Naughty Boy game, was this something that yeah. him and his dad did or something? I don't know. I mean, I, the impression that I got was like, he had, he had been down in that cellar as a kid too. Mm. Like, I, I got the impression that like, he was just like, carry, I think you said this also, like just carrying on the tradition mm-hmm. that like his, his whatever his parental uh, figure did to him the whole idea of like it's your decision to escape right like i'm just gonna i'm i'm not letting you out i just it's it's your decision whether or not you want to walk through that door and then i can pounce on you then i can like unleash this other part of me Mm. um you know so it's it's all about like he i mean he's the one in control of the whole situation the whole time right he puts right. himself in a position to like he has the door locked. He puts himself in the position to like lock to block the other door, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's all about um setting up a scenario uh where he has the you know, the the perceived permission to uh to uh to do what he wants to this kid. It's not his fault, it's the kid's fault. Yeah. yeah. I almost wonder if it's like a thing where he's kind of playing out this role play of fa- like a st- strict father and a son mm-hmm. that needs discipline. And it's kind of like that thing of, I told you to stay in your room and that's why he yeah. beats him. And it's, yeah. it's uh, yeah. 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 So I, I it's like, sure. he's like replaying this thing or something. And he says like the phone, that the phone worked when he was a kid. So I wonder if right. like maybe he went through maybe not like to this extent of like, you know, abuse and, you know, murder uh, that his dad did, but his dad did abuse him pretty hard. And like, maybe the black phone was kind of like that thing that like helped him get through that. But it, like, mm. it, like the black phone kind of just like acts as a conduit or a conduit for whoever needs it. Yeah. Um, but he, he grew up to become something worse here. Finney needs it. And, but but they also kind of like play in that thing where uh, his mom was touched and his mom had powers. And mm, uh, yeah. in the, in Cargill's interview, he said that like the mother's powers kind of got split between the two children where mm. uh, the sister could see the future through her dreams while Finney was like, I guess like a medium and like he could communicate yeah. with the other side. And he's doing that here through the black phone. Um so that was that was kind of interesting how like they kind of try to tie in the, the the mother in this and like why their dad was the alcoholic that he was because she like somehow drove herself crazy and committed suicide yeah. at some point. Um, one of the ghost children has the line of he hears the phone ring too, but it never really plays back in 
to the plot at all. And I kind of bugged me a little bit. So I didn't know if he was getting like, if like he was hearing the phone too, or if he like just thinks he's just so delusional that he just thinks he hears the phone yeah. rings because he even asked him, do you hear the phone ringing when he first got him? And it's the phone yeah. upstairs. So I don't know. I feel like that he's hearing voices and rings in his head and that's compounding whatever fucking messed up psychosis yeah. he has. Yeah. Or I, I think that's probably like where for me, the, the sort of biggest downside of this movie is, is the sort of like vagueness of how the supernatural elements play into it. And I don't, I mean, like, I I respect Joe Hill as I know he's his own man, but, like, that's a very Stephen King thing to do. Like, an extremely Stephen King thing to do is to have this kind of, like, vague telekinesis, uh, spirituality message from beyond that works really well in literature because it's it's the only tool you have is words and dialogue and description. Um, but it frustrates me when you see adapt- adaptations of that kind of story on the screen because... Um, so I think they did a good job of incorporating sort of like visual elements of the different ghosts and the different kids. I feel like it's just kind of like a very convenient plot point mm-hmm. that like there's like a, just a psychic kid that can like help find mm. the help solve the mystery, so to speak. You know, like, you know, the ghosts give him clues of like where to look around to like figure out the different tools of the house. And, and I and I wish that it had just been more structured or they like put more restraints on sort of like how this, or maybe done it a little more cinematically with like how much of this is the kid just imagining these other kids giving him hints and how much of it is actually like ghosts, you know, I mm. wish they played with that like a, a lot more. Um, you know? Yeah. Including no. the, including the actual phone. Like I wish they could have even played with it. Like, is that phone even there? You know? Oh, like, interesting. You know? Yeah. Oh, that would have been very cool if you weren't very sure if the phone was there from the yeah. from, from the beginning. And yeah. the phone does this thing where it looks like it's breathing sometimes. I didn't quite understand mm. that. Well, that's why I wondered, like, um, you know, are we supposed to think that some of this is like a hallucination? Is this kid just, I mean, he's lonely. He's alone in this in this space, right? Like anyone, it doesn't take that long to be locked up alone for you to start, you know, talking to yourself and imagining things that aren't there. So. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure what that meant. I do. I also thought that was a bit weird that part. Yeah. I I also wonder if there is if like if Joe if they were to have like Joe Hill to, on here to to like kind of explain. Joe, an- answer answer, <laughs> answer me this. Explain yeah, yourself, sir. Yeah, explain this a little bit. I wonder if there's like anything with how the because there's two houses. There's one yeah. where he kidnaps and kills them, and then there's another one where he buries them. He buries them. Yeah. And. I wonder, and they're they're right across the street from each other. So, and because we 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 do see like the phone, the like the the line, the the landline, like actually like on the wall going somewhere. So I wonder, mm. it's oh, like somehow explained like th- that that line actually goes across the street and does make it to that house. Um, oh, I didn't even pick up on that, but that's. I mean, that would that would be very good. Yeah, and just like, like you that, know, yeah. ghost energy powers it. You know, <laughs> hell yeah, that ghost energy. Yeah, uh, yeah. ghost power. So I wonder if it's kind of like some because you know you made the point that like you know there's this plot point of like there's a psychic kid that's able to kind of solve the day. Um, I think though that the movie does succeed in making it less, uh, just kind of like less convenient than than that. In that it's. 
it's not just her like having a dream and she sees the house, or whatever. It's yeah. these other ghost victims are coming to her and sh- and like showing her through their memories yeah. where they are, which I thought was done re- very well. I love that. Yeah, I, th- I think I one like- of my favorite parts in this movie was when we have that flashback scene of it was the last ghost kid that we see. It was like the angry long-haired mm-hmm. punk yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah, I like that one too. Yeah. yeah. Really good. And uh, this looks like it's supposed to be like shot in like Super 8 or 8 millimeter film and which is just like I guess like another staple of Derrickson at this point. Um, and I loved though that we see both Blake kids in this. We see Finney and Gwen in this. And I love that we see Gwen get in the car and it was so confusing to me at first. I was like, wait, was she there when this happened then it took i was like oh she's like doing her fucking psychic power witching mcgiggers and she's like in the matrix right now doing (laughs) this and i was like oh this is so cool and i loved how like the dialogue of that kid matched what he was saying to uh finney but like for finney there was no context it didn't make any sense but it was like he wasn't talking to him he was talking to his sister in and like the car I, I really like that too. And I wish kind of they'd done more of that throughout the movie. Same. Like I wish they'd like leaned into that aesthetic. But at the same time, I know that like that takes a lot of planning and even just like the working out, like it's kind of a locked room mystery essentially. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's like, he has to get this bit to do this other thing, to get this other thing to move it here. So that all these events line up. And that's like a really on a technical level, like extremely difficult thing to write let alone um put in a movie because to write it it's like you got to just do the writing but in a movie it's got it you got to write it well you got to shoot it well and you got to edit it well too so there's like so many levels of failure i so i like i appreciate like i thought it was really good still um but i wish they'd like really leaned into that that sequence you described that's towards the end and like really helped with like the manipulation and really like fucked with us more of like what is real? What are we actually seeing? Like, where are we in time? You know? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that would have been super cool if we got more of that. And it would have been kind of fun uh, in like, like kind of like a horror way, like, like another scary way to have his sister go through these memories with these victims. Yeah. Um, and then like how those victims were then just to like sort of like contextualize some of the stuff that they were telling him that were kind of. Um, yeah didn't make a whole lot of sense uh and it also would have been scary too because you know would have had more more moments of tension more more fears more scares of like kind of still witnessing these things just because like there were like a couple of jump scares one of them didn't get me because i saw in the trailer i saw it coming but uh this movie was it was more unsettling than it was scary i think Uh, i don't know if you agree with that or not yeah, it didn't it didn't traumatize me. So that's <laughs> I mean that's actually no, that's not a bar for anyone. That's a bad uh, nothing tra- not a lot of things traumatize me. But um yeah, it's I think it's more of a uh, it's more of like a thriller with a, some supernatural ghosties than it is like a straight up horror movie, you know. The adults in this were like really stupid and the kids in this so stupid. were really smart. It kind of also blew my mind a little bit just how much that the police listened to this little girl. I know that I like, was just about to say that. <laughs> I know that like they went to her for advice, but she literally calls him 
with an address, no warrants or anything. They're fucking kicking down that door, which like, you oh, know, I'm yo. like, yeah, like I'm happy they did because, you know, that was the correct thing. But it was it, it, I don't know. It's, it's like, damn, did they you do? Know, there's damn, real did they life, don't. There's real life cold cases where cops like you try start turn to psychics. Yeah. With disastrous results like that that shit the cops are really fucking dumb they do that shit sometimes mm-hmm. it's like i love that it was in the movie i was just like i was like oh yeah of course the cops would be like well this 11 year old kid probably knows more than we do like jesus <laughs> oh but like yeah no i i had the same thought when i was watching it. i was like the cops are listening to the, i was like oh yeah they would like, but yeah, there's straight up real life cases of of like cops being like, well, I guess this this psychic that just this lady just turned up and says she's a psychic, so maybe she knows something. Your Honor, I present to you Exhibit A, my crystal ball. Uh, <laughs> it's my first. It's like oh, they're they're near water. It's like okay, yeah, every, water is everywhere. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Um. So yeah, so like little things like that kind of yeah w- would throw me out a little bit. Um. But you know, nevertheless, you know, there's little gripes that we both had. Um, the the ending of this movie, though, was, I thought, extremely satisfying with how it was cool seeing how all like the stuff that he did to the room. Uh, Finney, I mean, how he was able to use that as his trap for. Yeah. For 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 the grabber in this um, part of me kind of wished that the fight went a little bit longer. But I'm glad mm-hmm. that it was actually Finney that got to uh, yeah. kill him and that it wasn't like the cops came in like last second and shot him dead in front of him. Same. Yeah. Same. I like that he got himself out of it mm-hmm. and uh, like it, no one rescued him. Like he fought his way out, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting that this movie kind of ends with their abusive alcoholic dad kind of just like weeping and I guess apologizing, but I'm not like convinced at all that he's a changed person for this. So it's almost just like, did this experience just make Finney more, uh, you know, that he could adapt to his dad more for this? I don't know. Yeah. It kind of ends on like a very happy moment. And I'm like, there's some, there's some, there's not less trauma right now. The cops should also like... look into him. Like, hit him too, please. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> this guy's a lot better. And also, like, the child is, like, seemingly happy at the end. I'm like, no, 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 no. This did not. I mean, I know he fought, but uh uh-uh, uh, uh uh. This is not going to go away right now. So. I feel like that I've said everything that I wanted to say about this movie. You know, I enjoyed it. It's a fun summer thriller horror i encourage everyone to go check it out um and yeah i feel i don't i don't feel like i'm missing anything that i was really wanting to say was there anything else that you wanted to to talk about i really did enjoy the moment where the brother figures it out and and almost comes to save the kid and has the moment where he's like hey do you want to know how i figured out you were down here and like right before ethan hawk just like plants an axe right in his head i i did really enjoy that moment i thought that was yeah uh, and a brief moment of levity that uh yeah yeah it, it was brief but in it felt like you know it was they had to show the threat you know that like he's okay yes. bashing skulls he's okay yeah. bashing his own brother's skull uh they, yeah they, they had to they had to show the threat and then he says right after that what does he say look what you made me do um before we wrap things up did you want to do a little cabin in the woods trinket 
little segment? Were there any sort of prompts or items from this that you would put in the cabin in the woods to summon the grabber? I feel like I'm going to go basic with this one and say like a black balloon. I I was going to say black balloon as well. I think like it was pretty light on the like non-threatening, threatening elements Mm -hmm. that we that we had with him. Um, And uh, I think a black balloon's a pretty good creepy creepy object maybe just like yeah. a plate of scrambled eggs with like a bottled sprite. oh that would have been good that yeah. would have been good too yeah that or i hate to use this object because it is not of possession of the grabber but i loved that rocket ship flashlight pen that, Me too. Yeah. that he had they did a really good job at like making him like he is an innocent kid like he is such a kid yes. he is glued to the tv he loves space yeah. he wears pajamas um, I feel like once yeah. you get to that stage where you're not wearing like, you know, matching pajamas anymore, you're just like wearing a t-shirt and whatever like shorts yeah. you have, like yeah. you're, you're just like not a kid anymore. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it, they really did a good job of casting them as like, they still seem young, but they're, they're independent. They have an independence to them, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. So, yeah. okay, cool. I like, I like those objects. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and one last little note this has nothing to do with the movie but I just wanted to point out that this is a Blumhouse movie and uh-huh. the new Blumhouse production logo oh, uh, like video true. logo that they had too, before yeah. this I was like oh shit because they put Michael Myers in it now because now, now Halloween's a yeah. Blumhouse movie mm-hmm. and I was I don't know like that really threw me for a loop I was like oh we're no longer in that haunted room with that cursed girl or <laughs> With the like 2006 computer generated animation style, yes. yeah. yeah, yeah, just them and then like haunted. Uh, what are those like snowballs called? Like you shake them, snow and globes, yeah. snow yeah. globes, the haunted snow yeah, globe, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I I didn't want to say this. I felt like it's like kind of a spoiler because I'm like, oh, if you watch this, th- that's a little fun little thing to to see. You know, to see Michael Myers now in the Blumhouse logo. Yeah, Blumhouse is just this like empire now, and it's actually cool because. Uh, uh, Sinister was one of the first big Blumhouse movies too. I think they made it on a budget of like two million or something ridiculous. It was cheap. two million. And Is it, Sinister a Blumhouse yeah. movie? Yeah, it was one of the very first. Because I remember I found an old interview where the interviewer was like, "Yeah, we're here with Ethan Hawke and uh, what's your name, Jason Blumhouse Blumhouse," <laughs> and he's like Blumhouse. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you made this movie, right? <laughs> it was like it was really early on. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I, I kind of forget that that was Blumhouse because I always assume that Sinister and Insidious were like just two completely different houses. But no, True, th- th- yeah. those were both Blumhouse movies. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. And now they're apparently doing an Exorcist reboot. Oh, really? Oh, no. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. Stop it. Uh, I hate it right now. I don't want to re- I don't want to reboot. I don't want anything to be rebooted. Stop it. I, d- I don't either. The thing that like kills me is that, like, you know, if you were to take somebody from like the 80s or the 90s and like transport them into present day and they go to the marquee, it looks like the movies haven't changed. You know, everything. And they still have the, the, the same fucking titles, you know, like Halloween 2018, still Halloween, Scream, Candyman. Uh, I really, I hate Jurassic so World much. is a little confusing. You know, I feel like that. You know, that, that one was slide by someone from the eighties uh, or nineties. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a little frustrating, but I hope. I, uh, oh my god! Yeah. Well, uh, Ellie, thank you so much for coming back on to discuss the Black Phone with me. This was this was a ton of fun. Uh, where can people find you in your articles that you write? You can find me at Bad Critic 
with an underscore at the end of it on Instagram and on um, Twitter also, but I never tweet. So uh, <laughs> just find me on Instagram. Um, yeah, I've got a lot of cool stuff coming out the next couple months. I mostly talk about horror movies, but I try to include lots of stuff for lots of people as well. So even if you're not, oh, I mean, why are you listening to this if you're not a horror fan? Anyway, don't worry about it. Okay, <laughs> that's where you find me. That's it. Bye. <laughs> Thank you, Ellie. Yeah, I'll be sure to have links in the show notes for that. And you recently just wrote a fun little piece about Slapface. You got to interview Jeremiah Kipp. Uh, he, it's such a cool guy. I'm, I'm glad he got to. It was a fun interview that you did, and so I, I really liked reading that. Um, so, oh, I want to thank everybody for listening to this. Also, want to thank my partners over at HorrorPress, HorrorPress.com. Be sure to go check out that article that Lewis wrote on the Black Phone. That is spoiler free. And if you need more stuff, Lewis also just wrote this really awesome uh, article on The Thing and it just had its 40th anniversary and he wrote this fun thing where uh, he took uh, two other John Carpenter movies that he claims to be like its spiritual sequels and wrote like the connective DNA, like the, the connective tissue that they all share. Uh, it was a very fun piece, so be sure to go check that out from Lewis. I'm going to have to go read that. The Thing is one of my favorite movies of all it's time. It's so. fantastic. I'm so mad I was too sick to go see that in theaters. Um, oh. I was so upset, but I'll hopefully in August, Jaws is coming back in theaters, so I, yeah. I plan on doing that. Uh, I also want to thank all the patrons, uh, Tiffany, Jasher, James, and Cleveland. Thank you so much. You guys rule. Um, over there on the Patreon, I just did my autopsy awards number two. I gave out awards and compared Halloween Kills, Black Christmas, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre from Netflix, the 2022 movie, and Slack. So if you want to hear how I compared and ranked those movies on multiple different superlatives, head over to patreon.com slash horror and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at horror and hit me up if you want to join the Discord. All right. How many fucking things do I need to plug? I'm done. Okay. <laughs> yeah, come join the Discord. We hang out. Also, oh, yeah, you're on I there. forgot that... Yeah, I'm, I'm on there and I forgot that I, you covered Slacks. That's... Uh, I've, I've yet to write about that movie, but as of... As, because it's a Canadian movie, it's made by a Montrealer, so I feel like mm-hmm. I must... I must support my fellow Montrealers. Yes, yes, 100%. Uh, Thank you, Ellie, again for coming on, and thank you, everybody, for listening. I will see you next time. Uh, Be sure to watch some good movies. Goodbye. Bye.